Hey, Bridgeway, so good to have you at church again today. I'm about to start a five-week series, a brand new series called Overwhelmed, Embracing the Emotional Part of Me. You know, during this crazy COVID year, many of us have been overwhelmed with so many different kinds of feelings and emotions. And I believe that God wants to help you navigate through them to grow and succeed, even in the midst of all that you and I have been feeling. So in this new series, I'm gonna talk about a range of emotions, regret, anger, nervousness, grief, and empathy. In fact, those five words spell the word range. Regret, anger, nervousness, grief, and empathy for the next five weeks. Today, we're gonna to kick off the sermon with regret. But before I actually get into the sermon, I wanna take the first 10 or so minutes of today's message to give you some positivity, to give you some hope, and to let you see what's going on around here at Bridgeway Community Church. We've been thinking about renovations and future fitting our building for a long time, and now we actually have the opportunity to do it. So I wanna share with you some pictures and some direction so you'll, you can begin to envision what we're thinking about around here and then I'll pray and take the balance of my time to talk about this first area of emotion that can overwhelm us, and that is the emotion of regret. But let me start by taking you to where we used to be. For those of you who've been around for a while, in 1992, we started in something called the Slayton House, a small playhouse in Wild Lake in 1992. Then we moved to... Uh, the Howard Community College, where we were for a total of 10 years from 1996 until 19, well, until 2006, when we moved here to the Columbia campus, it was a warehouse. We took it over. We met in the lobby uh, for 13 months. Prior to that, we were in the parking lot under a tent for a month or so. And then after 13 months, we were able to move into our theater or our main uh, auditorium here. And so that, that kind of projects and brings us to where we are. But as I talk to you about the future fitting and the renovations, what I want you to hear and what I want you to know is the purpose for us doing this. And that is this, to enhance our ability to move effectively or to more effectively connect, build, and equip our body using our buildings and all of our platforms for the gospel to reach our vision and our mission. Let me say it again. The reason why we're doing this is to enhance our ability to more effectively connect, build, and equip our body using our buildings and all of our platforms, including online, for the gospel to reach our vision and our mission. Now, having taken you through sort of our history from uh, the Slayton House to where we are in Columbia, you already know we also have our campus and in Owens Mills, Reisterstown, where a year and a half ago, we paid cash a million dollars to take down the debt that we had there, about $4 million, and we paid a million dollars just like that. So God has blessed us. We've had the ministry center, which we closed down. We have Nexus, that uh, lease ends in 2022. We pay about $500,000 a year there. And so when 2022 comes, we're saying, you know what? We're probably not gonna renew Nexus. We're gonna take that money and put it into this campus here and make sure our youth are taken care of right here as well. So all kind of renovations or what I like to call future fitting is happening. 
Now, in order for me to show you what we're doing, let me show you a picture of what most people see when they turn on the Red Branch Road. This is our building. It took a lot to invest in this building. It took a few million dollars to make it look the way it looks now. And we're thankful for the last 15 years we've been in this building. But you know what? It served us for 15 years, but how do we go into the next 15 or 20 years? Well, you don't know when you're looking at this picture, you don't know, is it, a, is it a school? Is it a library? Is it a warehouse? What is it? Well, check out this new picture. This is what it's gonna look like. When you turn off of Red Branch Road onto our building, you're gonna know that it's Bridgeway Community Church. Is that not beautiful? But everybody doesn't travel in from Red Branch Road. Some people park at Wells Fargo. In fact, the majority of people do. And what I understand is that when people are walking over from Wells Fargo, they're not quite sure what direction to go, even though we've installed a pavement. I hear that people can trip and slip and uh, which way is the church? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Check this out. Look at the welcome to Bridgeway, welcome home sort of archway where people will know you are entering into a place of connection called Bridgeway Community Church. But that's just the outside. What about when you walk into the building? Well, our main doors used to be a whole wall and uh, we blew out that wall and put in doors and made that the front entryway. But there's a lot more we would love to do and I'll show you a little bit of what that looks like later. But when you walk into our lobby, this is what it looks like. A big cavernous open 6,000 square foot lobby that we were so grateful and still are so grateful to have because we never had a lobby for, for 15 years. And so we were excited to have a place where people connect in our lobby. But we've also asked ourselves the question, what's gonna remain beyond COVID? Will environmental cleanliness remain? Will open space remain? Will social distancing remain? The answer is yes. And so we're future fitting the building so it will be brighter and bigger and more airy and uh, have more environmental qualities. And it starts with the lobby where most of our people congregate. So here's what the new lobby will look like. Look at the lighting and look how, how bright it is. And when people walk in, we want them to be able to find their way. To the right will be the auditorium where we broadcast live. To the left, they'll see Bridge Kids. So just look at the openness of that lobby. Now what I wanna do is take you to the Missions Cafe. You remember what that looked like? Here's a picture of it. Now, what we're envisioning is that we remove the Missions Cafe, and I'll talk a little bit about that later, and we make that the entrance to Bridge Kids. Very vibrant, very big, no longer two entrances in the Bridge Kids, but to make it safer, one main entrance where people can check in and check out. It's Bridge Kids, and it looks beautiful, doesn't it? I just, I just love the design of all this. Now, when people walk into our lobby, we want them to see four or five big things. We want them to know where the kids are. We want to know where uh, the worship center is. And then we also want them to know about something that's very important to us, and that is the community cupboard. Now, look at the picture of the community cupboard. We have been serving thousands of pounds of food to hundreds of families, even to this day, every single week. And you can see that people go around to the back of the building and we put a red awning there and we tried to make it as attractive as possible, but it's just not very attractive. Let me change that. It wasn't very attractive. Now check out this picture. 
Isn't that gorgeous? Now when people come, it's like they will be able to, to have the dignity of shopping. This is gonna be real grocery shopping, but for free. And people will be able to enter it from the outside or they'll be able to enter through the lobby where they'll be able to see the presence of the community cupboard. And so I'm excited about the fact that people can shop in an attractive place with dignity. Now back to the lobby, you'll see that there is a, a space as soon as you walk into the door to the left, we're calling that the real talk live corridor. That currently is where our big map is on the wall, but many of you don't know that behind that wall is the Real Talk Radio studio. Oftentimes people think that we're broadcasting out of Arlington, Virginia, because that's where the WAVA studios are. Shh, we have a little secret. When we decided that we were gonna say yes to this radio show, we negotiated that while I'll be in traffic, I won't be in traffic. So I have a two minute commute from my office to the Real Talk studio right here in Columbia, Maryland. Well, one out of five attenders that come to Bridgeway Community Church have heard of the church because of the radio show. How many of you heard of the church because of the radio show? So now when you come into the lobby, you'll look left and you'll see Real Talk Live. That'll not only show you where the radio show is, but that whole entire corridor will be a place where people can connect build and equip. What I want you to think about is what it feels like, not only to see, hey, there's the radio show uh, location, but how does real talk happen at Bridgeway? Real talk about the sermons, real talk about one's life, real talk about one's kids. They can go down that corridor and guess what? They can get their cup of coffee and then they can sit outside or somewhere in that area and enjoy coffee and connection. Well, how will they do it? Well, let's take a look one more time at what the building looks like from the outside. What we're proposing now is something that we like to call street fair. <laughs> street fair. With lighting and all, people can go down the corridor of the Real Talk area, and those that wall will open up with roll-up doors. They can walk outside and sit at, in a cafe sort of area on the outside, and we'd utilize all that space that has those big crepe myrtles and where the uh, fountain used to be, push all that out and make it an outdoor area so that we can have the, the brightness of the outdoors, but also the air quality so we're not all stuck inside, especially during the, the wonderful months around here of spring and summer and fall. And so street fair is an area where we're really excited. And not only are we excited that people can sit outside, come from the Real Talk area and have connections and, and conversations, but on top of all that, you'll notice the front look of the building now. We're envisioning two pools on each side of the, the front. So then when you're walking into the building, it's as if you're crossing a bridge coming into a place that says, welcome home, welcome to church. This is Bridgeway and you made it. Isn't that awesome? We're hoping that the pool will be deep enough so we can even do baptisms right out front of the church building. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Now, I've taken you from the outside to the inside, but I've saved the best for last. Well, all of it's really good, but here's the thing. We want to make sure that we have something we've never had before, but we've really wanted to, and that is a chapel. It's gonna be called the Gracism Chapel. When you walk down the corridor of the Real Talk Live section of the building, what used to be this, 
That's where the fourth and the fifth graders meet right now. See that picture? Of course, things are all stacked up in there, but this is where the fourth and the fifth graders would meet. Now we clean all that out and it's going to look like this. This is a new Gracism Chapel. This will be a self-contained area where 150 people can come for weddings, funerals, and other gatherings. And as you look out the windows, you can see that it, it bleeds off into an outdoor courtyard. And you push forward into the grassy tree knoll and make that a small amphitheater. With bathrooms and everything, this section of the building can be self-contained. So even if the community is using it or someone's using it for a funeral or a wedding, we don't have to light up the entire 60,000 square foot building that we have. I'm so excited because this is a place that we're going to be able to connect with our community, our culture, and our world for Jesus Christ. I love the way this looks even at night when we light it all up. You know, you come onto the campus, you see Bridgeway Community Church, but at the same time, you can have street fair where people are connecting. You can have a big open lobby. People can go get food. They can drop their kids off. They can go to the Gracism Chapel. Whatever it is, we're going to enhance all that we have in order to connect, build, and equip. Now, before I pray and go into the rest of the message, I wanted to just share this with you so you could see what we were thinking. And you're probably asking the question, how much will this cost? Well, let me tell you, straight up, $5 million. That's what it's going to take. We're going to break it into two phases. Phase one, two million five hundred dollars. Phase two, two million five hundred dollars. Now here's the trip thing. Because of your generosity and because of our stewardship of that generosity, we already have two million dollars in cash. So all we need to do is raise another five hundred dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. Yep, that's it. Five hundred thousand dollars by Christmas. We start in the new year and it's debt free, done, just like that. And by next summer, the inside's done. By the time you come back from COVID, you know, we're gonna have to navigate depending on when we come back. I'm thinking maybe sometime in, in February, maybe March. In March, it will have been one year. It's been 36 weeks since we've been in this building. So now that we've done, uh, since we've not been in this building, so now that we've done all of this architectural engineering work, if you will give on Christmas Sunday, the Sunday, December the 20th, I believe it is, if you will give your best gift after praying to the Lord, you give your best gift. We raise that 500000 We step into 2021 debt-free for phase one. That's killer. <laughs> you want to know why that's killer? Because how do you just drop $2 million and say, get started? Because of God's faithfulness. Because of your faithfulness, every $50 you give, every $100 you give, every $1,000 you give, $10,000, $100,000, whatever you give to the Lord, we take those pennies and those dollars and we match them together and then we put them in different funds and we try our best not only to operate the ministry faithfully and to make sure that everything is being taken care of so far as ministering to our community and to our staff and making sure that you're getting broadcast like this, which is not cheap, but we invest thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars into the kinds of equipment where we can be in your home right now. But the reason we're able to do that is because at the end of the service, you'll go online and you will give your money and we'll take that money. We'll say, God, multiply that money. And he has. We've paid our bills and we still have $2 million in order to say, now let's go do this for the next several years. 
I want to thank Tim Samuel. I want to thank uh, Frank Eastham. I want to thank our board of elders, our elders council of women. I want to thank our management leaders and all of our staff for being such good stewards. You should be proud of your church. By next summer, you should have the whole phase one done. And that's on the inside. You got to do the inside first. You know, you don't want to do the outside, then move to the inside. Got to do the inside first. Let's get that done. And then we'll move to the outside. You know what? If we have the other two and a half million, if we get up on that, then it can be done by the next summer and one year afterwards. And then I can just imagine in the summer of 2022 sitting out there having a cup of coffee with some of y'all right out there with Street Fair. So there you have it. I wanted to give you this information. You can go to bridgeway.cc slash future if you want to start giving now or hopefully by December 20th, if you'll just pray about it, maybe God will lay in your spirit uh, what you can give to this campaign. All right. Now, how am I doing on time? I still got about 20 minutes, so I'm going to pray and ask God to give uh, us wisdom to talk about regret. Would you pray with me now? Father, as we have all had a range of emotions over the last year, we thank you for the positive emotions of excitement and hope and vision for the future of our ministry. Lord, we want some hope. We want some excitement. We want some positivity. And we thank you. Thank you for our broadcast service and the capabilities we have to reach our congregation all over the world. And now as we balance uh, the rest of our talk today with this topic of regret, please help us to keep our regrets few as we look forward to the new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. No regrets. Have you heard that before? It's motivating. It's a great slogan. But the reality is many of us live long enough. For many of us who've lived long enough, we probably have a few regrets. In other words, if we could go back and do something over and get a do-over, would we? Let me ask you, if you had a chance to do a do-over, what would you do over? (laughs) Would you do that interview over? Would you take a different job? Would you move into a different neighborhood? Would you attend a different college? Would you say said no to that date or that relationship? Would you marry differently? <laughs> if you're sitting with your spouse, I would just be quiet right now. <laughs> or would you work harder to stay in the marriage that you were in? Would you have worked harder? Would you have chosen not to steal? Cheat, drink, buy, or lie? Ah, regrets. It's defined as feeling sad, repentant, or disappointed over something that has happened or been done. Regret looks at something we have lost or an opportunity we have missed, and we say to ourselves, I wish I could do that over, or I wish I wouldn't have done that. Can I get a mulligan? (laughs) You know what a mulligan is? A mulligan is a golf term that they use. It really means a second chance to perform an action, usually after the first chance went wrong. So you may have uh, hit the ball and it didn't go well, and so a mulligan, let me do it again, and then you just forget about the first hit. And that, my friends, this right here, is why Christianity is so amazing. God gives us mulligans for when we mess up. 
We serve a God of second chances. God, can I get a mulligan? Can I have a do-over? And somehow God is so gracious that he gives us do-overs, mulligans when we mess up. And the reality is some of our choices we make, the bad ones, come out of ignorance. Some of our bad choices come out of a sense of indulgence, maybe even out of injury or pain. But regardless of what led you to those bad choices, we know it can lead to financial ruin and relational train wrecks, broken hearts and homes, and yes, ultimately, a place of regret. Well, here's the good news. God gives mulligans. (laughs) Some of you have mulligan marriages. (laughs) You, You realize that you don't deserve your second or your third marriage after screwing up the first or the second one, but God gave you a mulligan. Well, like me, God gave me a mulligan marriage with the same woman. Our marriage has hit the rocks a couple of times, and yet God has given me a wife who's given me second and third chances. I couldn't be more blessed to have such an awesome woman of God like Amber Anderson. I love you, babe. Anybody need a mulligan? (laughs) You know, the Christian word for mulligan is, here it is, grace. And how do we move from mulligan mess-ups to a place of grace? What are we to do with those regrets? And how are we to navigate the feelings of regret when we don't have the ability to go back and change the past? Well, in the time I have left, I want to talk to you about four ways to replace regret with grace. Four ways to replace regret with grace. Number one, acknowledge the bad choices you've made. Acknowledge the bad choices you've made. In 1 John 1, 9, listen to what the writer says. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me say it again and capture that word all. Listen, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from how much? All unrighteousness. In other words, if we acknowledge the bad choices we've made and if we confess them to the Lord, God will forgive us, purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen, friends, God won't heal it if you refuse to reveal it. If you reveal it, he will heal it. But you can't defeat what you don't face. And denial only leads to dysfunction. And so if you can be real with God and maybe even real with some person that you hurt, when you acknowledge the bad choices that you make, you're replacing regret with grace and you are trying to heal what is now being revealed. And when you don't deny it, you won't move into dysfunction. And what will happen is you'll become into you'll begin to step into an area of freedom and grace. You can't take away what you did, but you don't have to relive it every day because God has cleansed you. So the first thing we've got to do if we're going to replace regret with grace is we've got to acknowledge bad choices we've made. But secondly, analyze the motivations for your choices. Analyze the motivations for your choices. The reason why we keep making the same choice is because maybe we don't even understand what's motivating it when it happens. 
This is what David says in Psalm 139. David says, he's talking to God. He says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. In verse 24, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is asking God to search his heart because he doesn't even know his heart. Oh God, I search my heart, know my thoughts, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and if you find it, could you reveal it and then lead me in the right way? Because I, I, I need help, Lord. That's what David says in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. You know, we can do the same. We can ask God to show what's really going on deep down under in our motivations. God, why do I do what I do? Why do I say what I say? Why do I think the way I think? Why do I react the way I react? God, why do I keep falling to the same temptation over and over and over again. You know what Jeremiah says about this in chapter 17, verse nine, Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful and above all things beyond cure. That's a nice way to put it, but let me tell you how the King James says it. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Nobody wants to admit to having a desperately wicked heart, but Jeremiah says it. He says, our heart's deceitful. Your own heart deceives you. David says, search my heart. Lord, I can't figure myself out. You can't figure yourself out, but God can show you yourself and then he can lead you into a way that's eternal and everlasting so your own wickedness doesn't wear you out from the inside. Hmm. In that same passage in Jeremiah 17, nine, when you move to verse 10, you gotta love this. God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Lord, what's going on in my mind? Remember, David says, check out my anxious, 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 look, anxious, that's how he said, thoughts. <laughs> look, I can't even, I'm so anxious, I can't say it now. But anxious thoughts, Lord, how, you, uh, how can you help me with my brain? You see, some people, it's not a heart problem, it's a brain problem. They're not thinking straight. Their mind's not regulated. They're confused. And that fear gets to them, and I'll talk about that when we get to nervousness, but their mind, mind is not sound. Jeremiah says, my heart is wicked, but God says, I also search your mind. David says, search my thoughts. How are you thinking? Do you have stinking thinking? Stinking thinking will lead you astray, and in a wicked heart will lead you far from God. And it says in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. When you get down to verse 14, I want you to check this out because Jeremiah just prays this. And maybe you pray this too, it doesn't matter that your heart is wicked. And somebody's saying, the pastor told me my heart is wicked. No, Jeremiah is saying the heart is wicked. I'm just reading what the scripture says. The mind can go crazy. And God says, I, I can examine your mind. But it takes humility to get to verse 14 because this is what Jeremiah says. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. Somebody needs to pray that prayer right now. If you have pause on your, on your phone, if you have pause on your TV, push pause. Pray this prayer. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. Before I move on to the 
Next one, let me just say, this may be a good place for you to stop and just ask God to heal your heart, heal your mind, and to save you. Just pray and ask God to save you, and he will. Not only for salvation for your eternal life, but maybe salvation from your wicked heart and your messed up mind. <laughs> I'm not calling your names. I'm just saying what the scripture's saying. And David, who's a man after God's own heart, is saying, my heart, Lord, you need to search this thing because I don't even know what my motivations are. And for you and I and to deal with regret and to live into a future that is new, we've got to acknowledge the bad choices we've made. We've got to analyze the motivations of our choices. Let me give you the third thing. We have to accept the consequences of our actions as accountability. That's the third thing you've got to do. Accept the consequences of your actions as accountability. This is what Zacchaeus did. Remember Zacchaeus, a little short dude that was up in the up in the tree and then Jesus was walking by and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And everybody, when they saw that, they were like, no, you can't be going to Zacchaeus's house like he's a he's a, a, a snake. He's a scammer. He's a sinner. And clearly uh, Zacchaeus had that reputation. But it says in that chapter, Luke chapter 19, verse seven, it says all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Well, Zacchaeus is uh Reputation. But I want you to notice something. After spending time with Jesus, Zacchaeus' heart changed. This shows us that God can change our heart, our mind, our motivations once we spend time with him. And so Zacchaeus spends time with Jesus, or should I say Jesus spends time with Zacchaeus in his home, and it says that Zacchaeus' heart changed. Check out Luke 19, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back, listen, four times the amount. <laughs> he not only had a change of heart, he turned it into action, and he is willing to, willing to repay four times what he cheated people. That's called repentance. You see, it's not just remorse. That's repentance and repayment. That's repair and reconciliation. Just saying you're sorry is not going to keep you from regret. But when you accept the consequences and pay back whatever you need to pay back, that's what helps you with regret. So be willing to accept and live out the consequences of whatever it is that you have done so that accountability can help you deal with regret. Now, we said there are four things to replace regret with grace. I've given you three. Let me give you the final one, and that is this. Agree to do better, and you will be better. Agree to do better, and you will be better. You know, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. In other words, you can have worldly sorrow and it just leads to death, not repentance. But godly sorrow or remorse must lead to repentance. And repentance says, I agree that what I've done is wrong and I'm going to change it and do better. And if you will agree to do better, you will be better. 2 Corinthians 7.10. Don't just have remorse and feel sad. That just leads to despair and death. 
have remorse and let it push you toward being better and doing better and saying, God, I'm willing, I'm willing to acknowledge and analyze and accept and I agree that I'm not going to keep doing the same thing, but I'm going to change my path. That's what's called repentance. Friends, God doesn't want us wallowing in regret. And the best way to address regret is by these four replacements that I've mentioned in this sermon. Acknowledgement, analysis, acceptance, and agreement. Acknowledge the bad choices you've made. Analyze the motivations of your choices. Accept the consequences of your actions and agree to do better. How about I end with a quote that one of my pastors shared with me on a recent trip I had to Colorado. He said this, and I think he was quoting someone else, but I love it. When it comes to difficult choices, we will have pain. It will either be the pain of discipline now or the pain of regret later. Mm, that's good, isn't it? Maybe I, that sounds like I should, I should say it again. When it comes to difficult choices, we will have pain. It will either be the pain of discipline now or the pain of regret later. Pick your poison. <laughs> or maybe I'll say to all of you as I end what I often say to my kids when they walk out the door. Three words. You ready? Here it is. Make good choices. <laughs>